Section 22 of Omens and Superstitions of Southern India. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Siddharth. Omens and Superstitions of Southern India by Edgar Thurston. Chapter 9 Magic and Magicians. Part 3. A few years ago, a Zamindar, landowner, in the Godavari district, engaged a Mohammedan to exorcise a devil which haunted his house. The latter, explaining that the devil was a female and fond of jewellery, induced Zamindar to leave a large quantity of jewels in a locked receptacle in a certain room, to which only the exorcist and of course the devil had access. The latter, it was supposed, would be gratified by the loan of jewels and would cease from troubling. The exorcist managed to open the receptacle and steal the jewels, and such was the fate of his employer that the offence was not suspected until a police inspector seized 27,000 rupees worth of jewels in Vishagapatnam on suspicion, and they were with difficulty traced to their source. In a note on wonder working in India, the Reverend J. Sharrock narrates the following incident. A sannyasi, ascetic, was ordered with contempt from the house of a rich zamindar. Thereupon the former threatened to curse his house by dispatching a devil to take possession of it that very night. On the doors of the inner courtyard he made a number of magical passes and then left the house in high dungeon. As soon as it grew dark, the devil appeared on the door in flickering flames of phosphorus and almost frightened the zamindar and other inmates out of their five senses. While with terror, they fled to the sannyasi and begged and entreated him to come and exorcise the devil. And of course, they pressed him with greater and greater presence till he was satisfied. He then came with the kumkuma, a mixture of turmeric, alum and lime juice, and dropped the fiery demon off with the usual recitation of mantras. During the rest of his stay, the sannyasi was treated with most profound respect, while his shishyas, disciples, received the choicest food and fruits that could be obtained. The following cases are from the annual reports of the chemical engineer to the government of Madras, in further illustration of the practices of pseudo-magicians. A. A wizard came to a village in order to exorcise a devil which possessed a certain woman. He was treated like a prince and was given the only room in the house. While the family turned out into the hall, he lived there for several days and then commenced his ceremonies. He drew the figure of a lotus on the floor, made the woman sit down, and commenced to twist her hair with his hand. And she cried out. He sent her out of the room, saying she was unworthy to sit on a lotus figure, but promising nevertheless to exorcise the devil without her being present. He found a half-witted man in the village, drugged him with ganja, brought him to the house, and performed his ceremonies on the man, who, on becoming intoxicated with the drug, began to get boisterous. The wizard tied him with a rope, because he had become possessed of the devil that had possessed the woman. The man was subsequently traced by his relatives, found in an unconscious state, and taken to hospital. The wizard got rigorous imprisonment. B. Some jewels were lost. In a mantraka, 
dealer in magical spells, was called in to detect the thief. The magician erected a screen behind which he lit a lamp and did other things to impress the crowd with the importance of his mantrams. To the assembly, he distributed petal leaf patties containing a white powder said to be holy ashes, and the effect of it on the suspected individuals who performed part of the crowd is said to have been instantaneous. So magical was the effect of this powder in detecting the thief that the unfortunate man ultimately vomited blood. When the people remonstrated with the magician for the severity of his magic, he administered to the sufferer an antidote of solution of cow dung and the juice of some leaf. Holy ashes were found to contain corrosive sublimate. The magician got 18 months regress imprisonment. I may conclude with a reference to an interesting note on the Jesuits of the Madura Mission in the middle of the 17th century by the Reverend J. S. Chandler, who writes as follows, Dr. Nobili lodged in an incommodious hut and celebrated mass in another hut. The older he got, the more he added to the austerity of his life. The Pandarams, non-Brahmin priests, made a new attempt against his life. One fine day, they held a council as to the death he should die and decided on magic. They summoned the most famous magician of the kingdom. Everyone knew of it. When the day came, the magician presented himself, followed by a crowd, all alert to witness the vengeance of their gods. He insolently arranged his machines and then described circles in the air. Dr. Nobili regarded him with a composed air. Soon the ceremony became more noisy. The features of the magician became decomposed, his eyes inflamed, his face contracted like that of one possessed. He ground his teeth, howled, and struck the ground with his feet, hands, and forehead. Dr. Nobly asked what comedy he was pretending to play. Then he recited magical sentences. Dr. Nobly begged him to spare his throat. The magician said, You have laughed, now die, and threw a black powder into the air. At the same time, looking at his victim, to see him fall at his feet, and then, Ski-daddled from the jeers of the crowd, Dr. Nobili addressed the crowd, and from that time they regarded him as much more than human. Mr. Chandler narrates further that a yogi, sorcerer, and exorcist, lost in public opinion but pretending to perform a miracle in imitation of a previous yogi by making a stone wool eat, a quantity of rice and other grains were served to the figure, but the Vahanam, vehicle of Rutra, was not hungry. The yogi made many grimaces, threatened, and even employed a rattan cane, but the bull remained motionless. Not so the spectators who overwhelmed the yogi with blows, and he was only saved by his friends, conducted to the frontier by soldiers, and forbidden ever again to enter the kingdom. End of section 22